There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm chef, restaurant owner and music fan Paul Ainsworth and this is Knives, Forks and Tunes, the podcast where we ask the all-important questions, dream dinner party menu, playlist and of course, who's invited. Every episode's cooking tips and party playlists are available in the show description. My guest this week is musician and indie rock hero, Dan Haggis. Dan is the drummer in the Wombats, whose tunes have shifted more than one million albums worldwide and have no fewer than five million listeners streaming their tracks every single month. Dan also finds time for his own solo project, releasing no less than three albums as Dan the Man. The Wombats have released four massive studio albums and even once had a cameo on the soap opera Neighbours. <laughs> In May of this year, we started seeing some teasers online and finally two new singles were released. They've got a world tour coming up, headlining the O2 and a brand new album, Fix Yourself, Not The World. Great title, that, mate. And on the 14th of October, the same day we're airing this podcast, the third track of the album, Ready For The High. Dan, welcome to Knives, Forks and Tunes. How about that for an intro? That was amazing. Thanks I mean, there's, me. there's some numbers there. Yeah. Mind-boggling numbers. <clears throat> yeah, they were... Um, it's always mad when you see numbers, and I feel like streaming numbers compared to, like, obviously back in the day of album sales and stuff are even more kind of mind-boggling. Um, our manager of the day was like, guys, you've just passed a billion streams on Spotify. And we were like, huh? Like, how is that even... Yeah. How is that even possible? But yeah, so um, thanks for all those numbers. That made me feel good. And um, the Neighbours thing, that was a threat. I oh, can't believe we actually did that. It was, <laughs> do you want to know how that happened? Yeah, <laughs> um, of course. I haven't, thought, I haven't talked about this for so long. Um, we, on the first time we went to Australia on our first album, probably because we're called the Wombats, things went well for us down there. And um, the label over there said to us, so what do you guys want to do then? Like, what's, what's on your list of things to do in Australia? And we were just like... Um, well, I mean, we just want to be on Neighbours and, you know, maybe duet with um, Harold Bishop on the trombone or tuba or whatever he plays, you know, <laughs> something like that. There was just a bit of a throwaway comment and they were like, right, Harold Bishop, tuba, wrote it down and we just didn't think anything more of it. And the next time we went over, they were like, right, guys, we've got you an appearance on Neighbours. You're going to be playing in Charlie's Bar. And we were like, what? <laughs> and and we went there and actually did it. Like, it was so surreal and met a bunch of the cast and like, oh, it was, yeah. Claim to fame. Oh, amazing. That's my time in Neighbours as well. Daphne and Harold Bishop. Oh, yes. The good old days. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we're here because we're going to talk about food as well, not just music. And, you know, talking to you earlier on, you really are a massive food. I love how passionate you are about food and drink. It's it's in, infectious. So before we get onto the food, let's talk about your dinner party. Um, first of all, location. Where are we going to have your dinner party? Oh, good question. I hadn't thought about that. I feel like maybe on a like a vineyard in France in sort of late summer, um, nice. you know, with little awning of some sort, but like looking out over the countryside, um, something like that would be nice. Some gorgeous chateau. Yeah. Yeah, like it, like it. And do you throw many dinner parties, Dan? Yeah, I, I absolutely love it, like hosting and, and I think like just the you know, cooking for me has always been quite a relaxing pastime or, you know, I love, and that's actually one of the things I miss most when we're on tour. You yeah. know, we can be away for months at a time and as soon as I get back, like my go-to dish is like make a homemade pesto pasta or something, you know, like yeah. I just, simple, but things that going through that routine and ritual of like getting the ingredients, you know, the pre preparation for it and stuff. I just, I love that side of it. And then 
the actual final mixes, um, mixes like putting the final touches on. And um, as I said to you before, like I do think about it in musical terms with the salt being the top end and the, yeah. the oil being the bottom end and, you know, everything in between, kind of trying to make it just right for your palate, same as you would for your ears. Like it's just another sense, isn't it? Yeah. So um, I, I just love that side of it. Um, and dinner parties, you know, like good conversation, good bit of music, having a few drinks, like what more do you want in life? Yeah, it's it's true, isn't it? When you sort of get to that kind of, I find, you know, now they're the things in your life that actually give you the greatest satisfaction, especially when you're with your mates or family. I've got a daughter now and, you know, like obviously Christmas is really special for her, for, you know, for the presents and that. But for me, I, like, I love I love cooking on Christmas Day. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And just one big sort of like platter down the middle of the table where everyone getting stuck in. And then, like you say, conversation, music. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's the best thing. And like, you know, after dinner games or whatever, you know, like that, that side of things growing up as well. Um, we had a kind of no toys at the table rule and, you know, yeah. and dad was always like, <clears throat> right, we sit there till you finish. Tell me about your debt. You know, it was very much um, that was an important kind of part of like life. Um, yeah. And I've always just, yeah, enjoyed that and uh, tried to keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're Liverpudlian. Yeah. What did you grow up on? What's a, what, talk to me about something that really sticks out in your memory um, that you would say is a proper Liverpool dish. Um. I mean, I think like us, I mean, school dinners were pretty bad, not going to lie. And yeah. like um, food in general, um, lucky at home, like food was food was always good. And as I said, like an important part. But um, I feel like, well, I'll say two things. One of them is sausages. Yeah. <laughs> like literally every day at school, um, it was just sausages. Like, you know, at break time or whatever, it'd have a couple of sausages and then lunchtime it would be like, honestly, the, there wasn't much to choose from. It was pretty grim. Um, but I just, yeah, I'd just wolf it all down. But no, my main thing, and this is not a Liverpool dish, obviously, but um, before we went to the match, like, I'm an Everton fan and me and my dad used to go to the match. Um, we had a season ticket and we'd have like, our, and we still call it the Saturday meal now. Um, and it's basically like my dad's version of an amatriciana kind of, you know, pasta with bacon and onions mushrooms whatever like yeah. spit spicy and um, tomatoey sauce and that and like loads of cheese on top that was kind of we'd have that get you know fill up fill up before the match and then yeah. off we'd go so for me that's like my memory of childhood and everton that is like all wrapped into one thing so every time i have that meal now it's like i don't put the bacon in now because i ate so many sausages when i was younger i'm trying to cut down on the uh, fatty meats to be honest but <laughs> oh i love it brilliant Right, so we're we're in a beautiful chateau in France on a vineyard. Alive, dead, fictional, real, it's totally up to you. Who are the guests and why? Shall, why I, you... shall I name them all first? Yeah, you want name them all first or name one and tell us, give us a, a description on why. So I feel like dinner parties in general, um, it's always nice hearing stories. Well, in, you know, I, I just, I love reading and I love hearing people's stories from different you know, professions, walks of life, parts of the world, whatever. So I'd want this dinner party to be like full on storytelling and really interesting conversations and make you think and stuff. I probably wouldn't actually speak much at this party because there's some serious intellect here. So Yuval Noah Harari, who's an author who wrote Sapiens, Brief History of uh, Humankind, Homer Deus, unbelievable books, uh, Yoda, who obviously is a fairly wise old fella, yeah. um, or Jedi and yeah. I thought he'd be helpful for like you know if long table with six people like past the salt he can just Jedi skill it over <laughs> and just and it you know whiz it over and um pass the wine Yoda and it'd just be done and your glass would be full again like that would be awesome um Stephen Fry I mean yeah. I could just listen to him all day and yeah. I went to see him do mythos you know in I've read Troy like it his his kind of his love and that that infectious like desire for stories and stuff that he seems to have the way whether it's him acting or um you know reading like audiobooks or this mythos thing where he just told stories like greek myths um on stage for like three hours he's just an essential like party guest for me um chimamanda and gozi adichie another author absolutely love her books and uh, well I, I mean hearing her speak as well she's unbelievably um eloquent and um she did a talk called the danger of a, of the single story as well a ted talk so yeah. if anyone out there like have a listen to that um it's really interesting and 
yeah, I feel like she'd throw some great thoughts into the mix. Uh, Naomi Klein, another author, very much the, I suppose, obviously with climate change and everything, like she's, and capitalism gone wild, like she's always got a very interesting point of view on like what's happening in the world and um, tries to distill things down into like easy to understand, not catchphrase of it, you know, but just like easy to understand explanations of like how the world is and what's actually potentially going on behind the scenes and um, what we need to do to try and fix things. So I think that would be... Um, maybe more after dinner, like take the tone down a bit, like, you know, hammer it to us. And then finally, for a bit of um, comedy relief, Sean Locke, yeah, um, who's one of my favourite comedians ever. Me too. Um, went to see him with like my dad and brother and sister in Birmingham one time. We got absolutely fleeced on like StubHub, you know, it was like a Christmas present. I was like, we're going to see Sean Locke somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we did it. Um, and uh, it was just, yeah, he's just absolutely hilarious. And I love how absurd and like, you know, surreal his comedy is and his the way his brain works, like eight out of ten cats, you know, it's just brilliant telly and like there's no one who ever goes on that show, I don't feel like, um, who could come close to like his way of like throwing a slant on something and making something funny that you're like, How did you make that like side splittingly hilarious? You know? Yeah. And it just spoke to me like you always um, I was just good to gonna say completely agree. Lightning lightning quick. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and like you say, that's exactly that's a really good way of looking at it because when I would watch it and watch him is how did you make that funny? Yeah. Yeah. But you're holding your sides just like yeah. crying with laughter and yeah, oh, he was brilliant. Before we kick in to proceedings, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions. Beer, lager or cider? Beer. Sweet or savoury? Savoury. Yeah. Coffee yeah. or tea? Coffee. And... Favourite fast food joint? Well-known one. Favourite fast food joint? Pizza Express, is that? Yeah, no, that's that, good. Yeah. We haven't had that one yet. Yeah. Yeah, do you know the most popular so far? I've changed that question up a little bit. I did say Burger King or McDonald's, and uh, everyone right. was just going KFC. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, everyone wow. was just going KFC. <laughs> We've had a couple of, like, you know, that go uh, slightly off-piece, but no, that's, uh -huh. yeah, I like that one. Yeah, it's good. Good. Yeah, I feel like they're, they've got like a padana with like goat's cheese and um, red onion, kind of caramelised onions or something, and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, nice. Right, let's move on to the food. By the way, would you like to sit with these guests or would you like to be like in the kitchen, cracking on, um, leave it, leaving me to it, or uh, or would you want to come in the kitchen and give me a hand? I'd love to come and give you a hand, but yeah. um, which was kind of why I chose things that I felt like, you know, when you have people over... As we'll see, you know, I feel like they're not, if you've prepared them in advance, like they're not too difficult to just like finish off. So you can welcome your guests, have a drink with them. And obviously you can be doing all the main stuff. And then, yeah. but I, I know, to be honest, what, hang on a minute. If you're there, why am I doing any cooking? Like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not touching anything. I'm just going to go, rip a neck. I would never have thought of that, Bella. Right. Like, honestly, uh, I'm, I'm going to let you, you describe it, but um, this is, probably my favourite so far of the whole podcast. This is a cracking menu. Take it away. Starters, what are we having, Dan? Okay, so to start with, we're going to have um, a tomato salad um, with... And I was thinking this is obviously, I'd like your input kind of, but yeah. with basil, mint, like raspberries, basically anything. The aim for the whole meal was to be as, like, local and you know, British produce as possible. Um, and so some of these things might not be possible, but I don't know, I'm not not sure. But um, And then some kind of grain, whether it's barley or yeah. quinoa, I don't know what you would suggest, yeah. but like something that I feel like it needs a little something extra in there to kind of um, make it more substantial, yeah. but not overpower it. Like it should all, it should be about the tomatoes and bringing out, you know, everything that's good about tomatoes because I had a tomato and basil starter that my auntie made one time in um, in Italy, in Umbria. Yeah. And honestly, it was like one of the best dishes I've ever had. And it was just the tomatoes with olive oil and a bit of basil and like a bit of sea salt. And it was like blow you away kind of stuff. So over to you, what would you what would you suggest? Well, you've gone British heritage tomatoes salad and you've we've got basil, mint, raspberries, you've put sunflower seeds and maybe a grain or a barley. So first of all, as you say, the the heritage tomatoes, when they are at the peak, when they you know, we've got the bright sunshine, the summer, 
you know, there is, there's nothing better. I absolutely adore tomatoes mm. when they're at their, their peak. Little quick little tip for you is when you've got those tomatoes or like when you're at your auntie's in Umbria, which is, you know, next level, keep the vines, right? So oh. if you ever, even at home, if you've got really, really good quality tomatoes, and again, these are the type of tomatoes that you're going to go and get from your greengrocer, okay? Mm. Like... And when you pick those tomatoes off the vine, straight away, if you smell that vine, it absolutely is just perfumed full of tomato. So use it in the same way like you would, you know, so if you're making your bolognese, mm. put the vine in there like you would thyme or a bay leaf oh. uh, in there and stuff, and you'll be absolutely blown away by the flavour that comes off of those vines. So again, you're utilising everything. Wow. Now going back to the salad, again, amazing extra virgin olive oil. Really, really good quality sea salt. I think, you know, you've put basil, mint and raspberries. I think that's our dressing. Right. That's the thing that we should turn into our dressing. Those are lovely flavours at work. Just lightly run the knife through or pick it, tear it, like the basil and the mint. You know, a good good sort of tip with herbs is don't bash them into a chopping board. Herbs are full of oils. Ah. And when you see sometimes even chefs on telly like like bashing away at herbs on all that all those oils are seeping into the chopping board. Mm. Don't just lightly run your knife through them and let all of that lovely flavour go into that dressing. Uh, I would cut that with tomato, something like a, a really nice sort of Cabernet Sauvignon vinegar, like a like a nice red wine vinegar would work really really nice with that. And then you said you like you'd like to know like you know something with a grain or a barley like we. We puff like wild rice, so we like you can fry like wild rice, um, pearl barley. We dust it in a little bit of seaweed powder and stuff. I mean, you would mm. eat these things by the handful because they're just like fried. They puff up. They got lovely, wonderful texture, and that's it. Because you, you've just got at that time of year, basil, mint, raspberries, tomatoes. Those things are at their absolute peak, mm. and they're all things that we grow beautifully in the UK. Yeah, you know we can grow all of those things beautifully. So yeah, that would be our insane dressing <laughs> that you wanted to know. Our insane vinaigrette. Yeah. Um, well, how I mean, would so how would you you know the basil, mint, raspberries and stuff? Would you put it in a blender of some no, sort? Or, no, no. So I'll, like the raspberries, we just kind of cut those up, like so, cut them into into quarters. Um, we then cut our basil and our mint, just like I said, like real, even even tear it, mm. put that in there. Good extra virgin olive oil, some um, little squeeze of lemon, red wine vinegar, the Cabernet Sauvignon vinegar, season it, little touch of pepper, and then just spit, and then just literally, and again, I know you'll know this, but some people don't, tomatoes go nowhere near the fridge. Right. Leave them out, like let, you know, a tomato in the fridge is sacrilegious. <laughs> it's just, you just don't do it, right? You know, leave it out, let them be at that room temperature, slice those tomatoes and then just put that dressing all over it. And then a lot of people with, with something like that would be now leaning towards cheese. So like, you know, you know, you've got your obvious ones like your pecorino, your parmesan, your mozzarellas. Personally, for me, we do the most amazing cheeses in this country. Mm. In Cornwall, we have a cheese called the Cornish Gouda. And it's like a, it's quite a hard cheese, like a parmesan, but it's got lovely salt crystals in it. But wow, we could get that kind of nice sort of savouriness and saltiness from the from the sunflower seeds and the grain, the barley grain that we just lightly fry, puffs up with the seaweed it, thing. That season you said. it with a little bit of seaweed and that, oh, yeah. so it's proper fresh, proper light. Because as when we move on to your main course, your main course is quite rich. Mm. Uh, I love it. I just think it's a brilliant, brilliant start. And uh, yeah, you. Uh, are, Phil, I gave you some good tips there. That was amazing. Yeah. But you know, all I've got in my head now is a beat and um, the music accompanying it would be, tomatoes in the fridge, it's sacrilege. <laughs> yeah. You just said that then. That's literally like, I just had that line in my head. I was like, oh my God, he's just come up with like an absolute banger of a, you know, in the kitchen, like teaching teaching kids how to cook kind of, that would be, that's sorted. You've just made me feel incredible. <laughs> <laughs> just, Tomatoes the, in the fridge. The nearest of sacrilege. <laughs> love it. I'm going to record this, this and send the, it over the, now. The closest I'll ever come to songwriting. You've done it. <laughs> Thanks, like, Dad. What's the, um, you know, the, the way to learn, like the periodic table and stuff? Yeah. They did a song that's like loads of cooking tips in a song. This is, I think we've got, yeah. so, I think there's a, there is a, something to be done with this. <laughs> People at home will just have their heads and hands like that's yeah. one of the worst. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so what are we having to drink? What's everyone drinking? So um, I found this um, producer from Tillingham in Sussex, like 
a couple of years ago, um, and they do a pet nat, like a petion naturel, like slightly sparkling. Um, what, I think this one's like, I think it's maybe slightly rosé. They do yeah. a couple of different ones, but um, yeah, PN and then the number of the year. So like PN17, PN18, they have different ones, but it's so good. Um, and again, with the like local thing, I thought um, try an English wine because English wine a lot of the time is, I don't know whether it's still got this, but there was definitely a um, an opinion around it where it'd be like, oh no, you know, English wine, like that's awful. The English yeah. can't make wine. And it's definitely not true, is it anymore? Like there's Absolutely so much not. good stuff. Um, this is a vineyard in Dorset as well. I can't remember the name now, but it was unbelievable. Like, there's so much good wine, and I don't know whether it's climate change related or just that they're getting so much better and like really putting you know time and effort into making it. Um, but this wine's unbelievable, and I read that it said like bright cherry damson with floral notes, and I thought maybe that could work with that. But do you think would it be too overpowering for like the tomatoey? No, not oh. not at all. Like you say, slightly carbonated, um, slightly chilled. Uh, it's a cracking way to, to start. Because also as well, you haven't gone super, super heavy on your stand. You've just gone with brilliant, beautiful ingredients that are, you know, right in season, kind of at the same time. Yeah. And I think also as well, it's just, you know, you you definitely, with your dinner party, serve that right at the beginning. You'd be drinking that. You'd probably be on your second glass by yeah, the time yeah. the starter came. Yeah. It's a nice way to start. And it's uh, and you're absolutely right. English English wine is is fantastic. We've got amazing soil in lots of parts of the UK now. Mm. Um, we have an amazing vineyard in Cornwall, the Camel Valley. Uh-huh. Uh, we've, we've, got, we've got a few vineyards now in Cornwall. And I know the one you're talking about in Dorset and... Yeah, it's 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 so it's so exciting in the UK. Um, not just in food, in everything. Yeah, you know, wine, gin, coffee. You, you know, everything is just got people doing something really good that they really care about. So yeah, yeah no, I think that's a I think it's a brilliant choice. The playlist. Mm. What are we kicking off with? So Phoebe Bridges funeral. Yeah, um, she's an artist. I really love um and this was actually the first song i found um of hers like when it you know 2017 i think it came out and the chorus is um like jesus christ i'm so blue all the time and that's just how i feel always have and i always will and like i'm i'm I, i'm quite an optimist but like that 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 sentiment just like does sum up like kind of my um me um for me anyway and um i remember you know i hadn't heard something like that put into a song before and you know when you have those moments of connection with like a song that you're just like whoa this it's just spoken to me like so um like right into my soul um so yeah this this song um whilst a little dark i feel like it actually makes you look at um because she in the song she remembers that you know like someone's uh, someone's son who's like really young has just died as well so like that kind of relativizing how maybe blue and dark or whatever you might feel in your life like just try and keep a bit of um, perspective on things and, you know, it can somehow, songs sometimes anyway can help pull you out of those moments and, and food can as well. Yeah. And so I feel like that explosion of like flavours and stuff, but with that, that and that sentiment as well of like, come on, look how good life can be kind of feeling like it's all going to go to shit one day, but like at the moment we're having a bloody good time. time. Yeah. Um, I felt like that worked well together. That's brilliant. Now, main course. Oh yeah, it's good. It's a great choice. I've got some. I've got some uh, cracking tips for you here. But you, you tell us your main course. Uh, so it's moule frites, yeah. um, mussels and fries, and uh, I make this at home sometimes. Um, and it's just so simple yeah. um, to make. I mean, to make the way I do it anyway. But um, but I think apart from getting the the mussels like beards out, that's yeah. a bit of a um, faff and can take a while. But like. The, I mean, the flavours from them are just unbelievable. Um, it's dead easy and quick to do. And, you know, a f- very minimal, like, veg chopping needed, really. Um, and you can just prepare it in no time and chuck a load of white wine in there and off you go. And the fries, um, I mean, I sometimes would, you know, I could do them in the oven, but I've I've got a deep fat fryer as well. So sometimes, like, I can't remember, I think, like, Parboil. I tried parboiling them a bit and then letting them cool down. I read that somewhere that it can be helpful and then you like hammer it once, take it out and then wait for a bit and then just then at least you can chat to everyone and then it's almost ready and then yeah. you just hammer them again at the end. So like 
finish them off, crisp them up, all the rest of it. And that would be it, really, just those two. And also, I love, like you were talking about the Christmas meal kind of before, yeah. you know, it's got that kind of big pot of mussels, a load of chips, like, on the table. And people can just help themselves. And it's like, it's a playful food, isn't it? You know, you're kind of opening the shells and da 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 And, like, everyone's discarding shells. I don't know, like, any any meals like that in general. Like, I feel like France is amazing for that, that... Um, my girlfriend's French and her grandma, like, she'll make meals and it's just everyone's, like, chatting but reaching around and, like, yeah. oh, have you tried this? Da, 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 da. And there's loads of little things to, like, add in. But, yeah, anyway, so I think that would be a good one to get people chatting as well. It's, it's, it's a classic for a reason because it's just a phenomenal dish. If it's a dish you love cooking, um, I'll give you a slightly, you know, an alternative. We have a, an amazing mussel farm right next to, well, pretty much next to all of our places. So it's in the Camelestri. It's called Poor Philly. So it's about 500 yards from the pub, oh, wow. the, the, the Mariners. So they're like absolutely famed for their oysters. They used to be dairy farmers. And then their grandfather planted some oyster seeds and it went from there. But they also do mussels. And whenever I'm going to do something or if it's like a show and I'm, I'm doing the Poor Philly mussels, Tim's like, make sure you get across, boy. Tell them, keep the mussels at the bottom of the fridge. Like that, so I'm uh, like, yes, Tim. I'll, I promise. I'll say every single time. He'll always, he'll always say it to me. And and the reason being is, is a lot of people sort of like they get their muscles and they think because they've heard a chef say, oh, if they're slightly open, that means they're all like knackered. It's not true. Most of the time, if you buy them really, really fresh muscles, just give them a little bit of a tap. They'll close again. Mm. Um, the reason for it, the bottom of the fridge, like hot air rises, cold air sinks. So at the bottom of the fridge, it keeps them really nice and fresh with a with like a wet tea towel over them. Okay. That really keeps them nice and fresh. The mussels themselves, you know, some you sort of see a lot of the time them going into a pan and like scorching white wine going in and stuff. You don't need to do that. You know, you can warm the pan gently and still have it on a full heat. Put your mussels in, as you said, wash, pull the beards. Um, so a little alternative, obviously the classic, the mousse frit with a beautiful sort of like nice acidic white wine, cider. Oh. Right? So you use that really, really nice cider. Separately have garlic, some... Uh, sliced shallot, spring onions, mm. right? And then substitute the cream for clotted cream. So you can see where this is a dish we do like a lot, like down in Cornwall, where oh, I've yeah. got it um, in a book, and a little bit of creme fraiche, okay? So clotted cream, obviously, it's got a, like, it's got a real lovely flavour to it. The creme fraiche gives you a nice acidity. And mm. then just, so again, mussels in the pan, let them open, steamed open and then drain off some of that liquid that you know that sort of excess liquid that comes off with you know with them you've obviously got your, your cider then in with just loads of um chopped parsley spring onion um basil works really really well oh, with right. that and then just a dollop of your, your clotted cream and your creme fraiche which will just kind of melt and just glaze them all and make a really, really beautiful sauce yeah we defo i like the basil idea because it you know keep the yeah, the thread going through yeah. them. Yeah, so you're kind of you, you, it's a, kind of the same dish, but you're substituting double cream and white wine for again, well, in, ingredients that are like you know really local indigenous to you, yeah. and local to local to Cornwall. But yeah, you could you could get those ingredients, and then yeah, you're right with your you're right with your fritz. You know, a, a really sort of foolproof way with chips is first of all you've got to use the right potatoes so things okay. like king edwards maris pipers yukon golds they're all good but no matter what it's a bit like poaching eggs if that certain times of the year your potatoes are really sugary and that's when you drop them they just go dark really instantly because the sugar's just basically burning uh -huh. in the potatoes so again like you said because you've got a deep fat fryer Blanchon wants it like a like a hundred, like you would roast potatoes when you're parboiling them. Bring them up and then turn your fryer up and drop them again and cook them till they're like proper crispy. So does the first step does that take some of the sugars out that you're talking about? Yeah, but straight ah, away you'll you, you'll you'll know because you'll you know at certain points of the year different potatoes have different um, times when they're at their best. Now, this isn't all fancy chef stuff. I didn't know any, that. <laughs> any chip shop where if they're sort of, I know, I know a couple of mates who've got amazing, just proper humble chippies. The hardest thing about running a chippy is potatoes. Oh, wow. They go on the, they, to the ends of the earth to find potatoes. Because if you buy a big batch of potatoes and they're full of sugar, which at certain points of the year they are, um, it's a nightmare. Oh, wow. So, you know, sometimes you go like, and you're like, oh, yeah, the fish, the fish was nice, but the chips were a bit ropey. It's probably because of that. Yeah, it's because of that. Wow. How yeah. is that not a more well-known thing? I've never heard that before. Yeah. So it's, your, wow. it's your, your, your potatoes and stuff. And then, 
I'm gonna tell you this one because you've got a deep fat fryer, and we did it like did it recently. When you get really nice plump muscles, just as a little uh, like game changer, right? Just roll them around in some seasoned flour. You know when you've taken the meats out the shells. Oh yeah. Right. Roll them around in a little bit of seasoned flour, then in a little bit of like egg white. Like nothing, not not egg yolk, just like some whites. Good way of utilising up your whites, and then into some breadcrumb. Either make your own breadcrumbs, or if you can get like panko breadcrumb on the internet, a panko is basically like a Japanese breadcrumb. It's like fine, like desiccated mm. coconut, and then just deep fry them at like the hottest setting for about until just until they go golden and literally like they're like popcorn muscles. Oh wow! And yeah. they are they are insane. They are <laughs> that sounds unbelievable. Beautiful. Dipping them in like <clears throat> some garlic mayonnaise or tartar sauce. So you'd serve that at the same time as the other stuff, like as a little extra. Yep. So you know, like kind of... you know, yeah, exactly. You know, like you say, so you might have a big pot of like your your mules, like either doing it my way or the classic French way. Definitely um, your way. Pots, but the bowls of chips and that, and then if you just add these lovely bowls of like you know crispy popcorn mussels, oh, yes, with like tartar sauce or like some like garlic aioli, yeah. Absolute winner. Sold. All right. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, well, I mean, the table's pretty. That's a nice spread. That is good. That, that. is a nice spread. What are we drinking, mate? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Um, so having um, a white from the Jura... Um, it's called, it's by it's called Lochtevang. Um, yeah. The wine producer Alice Bouveau makes it. Um, this one Petit Pousseau. I did have it a couple of years ago, and I can't remember that much, but um, I remember it being amazing. And I read, and it said like lemon, parsley, salinity, and stuff. And I thought that would work well with um, the more frites. And she's just an amazing winemaker. And the Jura in general um, haven't really had many bad wines from there. It's a tiny little area and. France in the near the Alps, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just really like clean, easy. Um, again, natural wine like the first one, so no no like sulfites and they don't use any pesticides and stuff like that. So it's very yeah. like respecting nature and all the rest of it. Um, and I like their their ethos. Um, or in natural wine in general, the ethos obviously of just letting nature express itself and not trying to like you know shoehorn it into being a certain thing um it's like nature will just make the product that you just help shepherd along um i feel like in general that's a good um ethos for humans to have on this planet so um i like that it's a cracking choice but what i love the most is just listening to you talk about it and it's always great when you have someone like yourself who really loves food you thought about it and it's a it's a brilliant choice and it would go perfectly with that dish you know, with both dishes, love it, mm. brilliant, and uh, and so many wines uh, are like that now, and it's um and it's amazing, it's amazing like the whole natural wine and orange wine and yeah. everything that's kind of you know that's going on in that movement, and it's brilliant, and it's it's here to stay, and it's you know it's there's a lot of people as well that love wine, but kind of sometimes think oh I don't want because it, it really gives me a headache, right? You know, yeah, stuff yeah, and that, and you know it's it yeah. But natural, Great yeah, that, 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 that's one of the reasons. My, one of my friends, um, he's a, he was a sommelier in um, Paris and he now has a vineyard down in Rivesalt, which is the wine that I'm going to choose for the dessert. But um, he um, he was the one that, like, got me into this in the first place. And, like, the more I've gotten into it, like, I, they don't always... Um, I can Some of the criticisms, you know, like, they can be too funky and they can be this and that and, like, unpredictable. Um, but... Like I like, I mean, I do like any wine. Obviously, in general, I don't need to, it doesn't need to be natural. But like, I like the fact that it's different. You yeah. know that that each year, um, 
it might be slightly different than the last um, harvest or whatever, you know, and they, they, they're, they're fine with that. That's part of it. And it's like, wow, it kind of keeps challenging your palate all the time. And rather than just going like, I only drink Sauvignon Blanc, like, you know, yeah. um, I mean, my mum and dad are a bit like, they, they're not that into natural wines because they've got their wines that they just, they go to. And yeah. I think a lot of people have that. So I think it's good to challenge yourself sometimes and like try new things and see what a lot of them, you know, young wine producers getting into it who are, you know, very eco-conscious and stuff yeah. as well. So that's a big part of it. But it's also just that it tastes amazing. Like you get so many flavors that sometimes it might taste a bit more like cider or, you know, it's it's like, what, is this wine? You know, yeah. I, but I love those moments of like yeah. Yeah. Uh, discovery. Yeah, absolutely. Song on the playlist. Um, so seeing as it's, um, well, the title, like, I don't know, is it originally a French dish, mole frites or, it, you know? It, to me it is. Yeah. Yeah, I've only, as long as I've been a chef, Moule frites is, you know, a very kind of classic French bistro style dish. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so for that reason, I chose um, a song by Serge Gainsbourg. I don't know if I said that right. Um, La Javanaise. Um, it's just such a beautiful song um, by an amazing artist. And I just love um, the... Oh, this is just drum geekery probably, but... Uh, for anyone out there who plays drums well, when you listen to this song, like you'll notice they're like shuffling along on um, brushes on the snare kind of thing, and it's it's straight. Most of the song is like, you know, it's it's in that kind of world, and then all of a sudden, when he gets to the the main tagline of that chorus, that bit, he suddenly goes swung, which you know, it changes the whole vibe. And as from a musical point of view, I just remember the first time I heard that was like. Where did this? Where did that come from? Like that's so unexpected. And there's this lush, amazing, like string stuff happening behind it, and all the rest of it. And it was just like, wow, that blows me away. Anyway, our new song that's come out, "Ready for the High." No one will notice either, but it goes from being straight in the verses in the intro, and the chorus goes swung, and it's the first time we've ever done that in a song that actually like flips from one to the other, and it's quite a, a head fuck to like get to make it work when we were making the song. Um, so also that was a little little wink at the new song we've got coming out yeah the new song is ready for the high (laughs) october 14th which is today (laughs) shameless plug desserts so dessert um i i get a a box of uk um, veg each week and you can end up with like a glut of something um, yeah. i mean you must have this all the time in the chef's world obviously um and but it's it's what you do with that um which always fascinates me as well with restaurants how they manage to come up with creative ways to use all this produce that we've got um coming out of the country and so all the, like rhubarb um my girlfriend actually doesn't like rhubarb so I, I ate a lot of rhubarb in one of the lockdowns i was just like stewing it all up i made like rhubarb cake and i'm terrible i've never baked to be honest um, yeah. but as most of the country probably did, um, had a go of, of baking because there was nothing else to do. And I made like rhubarb and white chocolate cookie that was quite nice as well. But anyway, this um, rhubarb crumble, I was thinking like stewed rhubarb, um, really simple, just like boil it with some orange juice or something um, or any whatever else you think with some sugar. And Ginger. Then, Oh, ginger. No, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, so, I love ginger as well. Great idea. Um, and so, if you've got any, you know, if you ever use fresh vanilla. I've never, never used you know, that. If you, you're doing that, like keep the pods. Right. Um, so it'll take, keep, keep, once you've taken the seeds out, actually keep the pods in, in a jar and just pour some sugar over them. So when you've, you, then you kind of, they sent the oils from the vanilla, sent the sugar. So you've got like this vanilla sugar in your cupboard. Oh, wow. But uh, yeah, so your rhubarb, orange juice is exactly how we'll do it when we're kind of, you know, using rhubarb. We've got like um, crumble coming soon. Um, we also have a crumble on at the pub. So we'll poach it like exactly what you've done there in orange juice, ginger. Some of that vanilla, like old vanilla from the sugar, some thyme. Thyme? Yeah, some thyme in there. So, like, thyme works brilliantly with the, um, it's got that nice herbaceous note. Like, thyme is just Mm. beautiful with so many, (laughs) so many things. Um, Yeah. And uh, and a little splash of grenadine. That's not essential, but Uh. a little splash of grenadine. And one question I had for you was um, so, like, you know, the way, Sometimes a rhubarb crumble, for example, I feel like it's one of those things that people have their their own taste of how much crumble they want versus how much 
rhubarb, like, so I prefer like lots of rhubarb and a tiny bit of crumble where yeah. I know some people want more like of the, you know, fatty, rich, whatever, like yeah. crumble. Yeah. Um, so could you think of a way where we could have people do it themselves or so you do the crumble separately, you know, like yeah. somehow in a, in the oven or whatever. I don't know how you, I've never actually made a crumble, but, um, yeah. you know, you have that, the crumbly stuff. And then the rhubarb would come on their plate and then they can, like, sprinkle their own crumble on. Would that work? Absolutely. But there's two ways. There's the purist. I mean, I love both ways. There's, you know, the, the purest way is that you actually want, you know, this lovely um, compote stew you've made. Mm. You put that in. Then, you know, your classic crumble, you know, crumble comes from because you're basically crumbling flour and butter right? Okay. in, yeah. your, in your fingers and that's what creates a crumble. You know, since then it's kind of evolved. So, like something like a demerara sugar in there is is lovely. So, replace the white sugar because it also adds texture because it doesn't just dissolve. Uh, okay. Um, then I love things like hazelnuts and almonds in there and stuff like that. Mm. So you kind of got like a real nice nuttiness to it. Then you put that over the top and bake it, and then the purists, you know, want that kind of where the where the crumble and the stew sort of mix on the on the bottom, and then it's bubbling over the sides. Yeah, but You've put here rhubarb sorbet. Yeah, because right? I, was, I was thinking somehow, I, yeah. I just love sorbets as well. So, like, how could you, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you'd serve it, but. So, this this could turn, if you wanted it, you know, if you wanted to make it just a bit different. So, how I would do it for your party and your guests, because like you say, you want a little bit, is we make this insane rhubarb compote. All right, and. And some of our raspberries that we've got left over from our starter, I'd fold some raspberries through there. Mm. I'd put some um, apple through there to give it a nice little bit of texture. So all of a sudden we've got this beautiful like raspberry, apple, kind of thyme sort of compote going on. We serve that in the middle of the table and then we make this kind of crumble that's got nuts in it, nice little, um, a nice little um, uh, pinch of some sea salt. Mm. in there and that so you've got this kind of biscuity nutty slightly salty kind of crumble mix going on we put that on the table and then a lovely big bowl of rhubarb sorbet so then you can kind of have this kind of because what i love in dishes is that temperature contrast yeah, yeah so warm compote cold sorbet and then in your case just a little bit of the crumble on top yeah or if Sean Locke, he'd probably want a lot of crumble <laughs> on top of his. And uh yeah, you both ways, both ways are delicious. And I think what it keeps to the theme of your party, which is a way I love to eat. I think you were telling me a restaurant you love in London, that just that whole sharing, sort of passing things around the table, do you know what I mean? It creates yeah. creates conversation, everyone passing each other the the sorbet or the the rhubarb compote or the crumble. Well, the great thing here as well is because Yoda obviously could actually, that could be a bit of his party piece where all of a sudden he makes all the crumble just levitate around on top of each person's plate. And yeah. then at the right moment, we choreograph it with him, obviously. And we just like, well, he can read our mind, so it's yeah. fine. And I just say, now. Yeah. And they all fall at the same time onto their crumble, onto their compote. And I mean, I think that's possibly the best end to a dinner party, like... Yes, yeah. that's, that's ever been thought of. To be yeah. honest. and Dan, the, the, the people who who listen to this podcast, they, this isn't weird at all. Okay, we've had Skeletor as a guest. Oh, really? We've had Skeletor, <laughs> okay, at the table who just bangs his stick, <laughs> and, <laughs> right, and then and the table's cleared. So no, it's absolutely Yoda with levitating crumble. I mean, I hadn't even thought about doing all the washing up and cleaning up, but Yoda again, Yoda. he comes into his own. Yeah. He's the essential guest, like, at yeah. any party. You've nailed it. Yeah. And at this point, Sean is well on his way and he's a bit pissed. Oh, yeah, And yeah. he has just got every... We've, you've had all of the intellectual stuff. Yeah. He's now taking he's, it next yeah, level, exactly. isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Him and Yoda are best mates already. Yeah. Uh You've chosen a beautiful drink with this as well. What are we having to drink? Yeah, the, the um, as I said before, my friend, like, he's got a vineyard in Reeves Alt. Yeah. He doesn't do Muscat, but um, I remember one time I was down there and we went we went out in Perpignan to a um, great little bar and they had this like Muscat, the Reeves Alt, which I think is, I, I hadn't heard of it before, but it's quite well known in that local region. Um, and yeah, it's a sort of dessert wine, basically, I yeah. guess. Or they, they sometimes have it as a an aperitif, I think, as well, like Flock in southwestern France, like a you know, a, a startery type thing, um, which I don't, maybe, yeah, sherry, I guess, is the equivalent, is it sort of thing, um, and serve it sh slightly chilled. I think that would work well. Yeah, nice, lovely. But yeah. Yeah, and 
you know, again, you've got the like you say the sharpness, the sharpness of the rhubarb, the a little bit of sweetness in there, that lovely richness of the crumble. Great choice. Yeah, you need a dessert wine, don't you, to yeah, finish things great, off there. Yeah, great choice, great choice. And also, there's like, um, I didn't put this on here, but you know, um, in lots of countries they have like, uh, so there's like the um, Trou de Gascogne, you know, like you have an Armagnac or something, and then in Norway they have Akivit with their, when they're eating lamb and stuff. It's like you have a shot of like strong alcohol at some point because that really gets the party moving as well. So I didn't know, if, have you got any suggestions of like, is there any local, you know, I don't know, a, a, a Cornish shot of some sort that would just like fire people up before the dessert do you know what there there probably is but the one that i actually spring springs to mind is uh like great yorkshire chef and a guy called andrew pern and when we were doing great british menu he did this unbelievable like every which way with rhubarb like, right. like just rhubarb everything and he made this rhubarb schnapps Oh yeah, right. And it like once we'd finished filming all day, we were just like drinking rhubarb schnapps, right? Perfect. And it was and yeah. So I'm gonna go rhubarb schnapps. Awesome. Right. We'll yeah. add that onto this list. Yeah. I'm gonna do this. I am gonna do this menu. You know. It's, it, do it. It's Death a cracking, cracking menu. And what's what's the song? What song have you chosen? Um, it's one of my favourite classical pieces. Um, it's called "The Swan" from the Carnival of the Animals by Camille Sanson, and it's just one of the like most beautiful sad melodies um i've ever heard i think really it's just so magical and like as far as classical music goes it's definitely in the pop side of it you know yeah. it's like three minutes or something long it's kind of easy to get your head around memorable but i think that would be a moment where it's like right everyone quiet maybe they're sipping their peach snaps with an with a, an espresso on the way or something and that that song comes on and everyone can just have a moment contemplating their own mortality for a minute <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant! Love it, love it. Well, it's it's a, it's a cracking menu. Um, I hope you I hope you're happy with them tips there. Um, Very happy, amazing. Message me, message me on Instagram. Or I'm there for you, Dan. Oh. I'll help you, mate. Whatever you need. But it's yeah, brilliant menu. Absolutely brilliant. Now the last question, uh, as you know, with your industry, you know, in, in my industry, we have, you know, Michelin stars. Um, Michelin stars is something that is just like, you know, winning a Michelin star is like the absolute ultimate. If you had to give a Michelin star to a musician, an artist, who would it be and why? Um, yeah, I would give a Michelin star to an artist called Bonnie Ver. Yeah. Um, so the 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 main. It's it's Justin Vernon is the is the guy kind of behind it all I guess but he works with lots of other musicians and got quite a collaborative like um, thing going on um, over in America and honestly like when I first heard his music um, his first album was like a beautiful um, acoustic kind of you know him locked away in a forest or something like made these songs his voice is just otherworldly and the songs were beautiful and um, and I just followed him from then and like his second album was you know from a production and like songwriting point of view he just challenges so many things which i think like you know michelin stars in general you, you expect like it's chefs pushing their creativity to like the nth degree and you know they're they're really like they're, they're curious people in general who are trying to discover some you know they're trying to like further their own like creativity and their art and whatever and for me he's just like Every, literally every song on any of his albums whether sometimes they might be challenging and like they make you might you might be like oh i'm not sure what i think of this but at least it makes you think you know he's not afraid to like push people's you know sonic palettes and yeah. you know and make them like think about well, what is a song and what is what is that sound i'm making and it's just so like experimental but so beautiful at the same time um and i went to see him on my own in edinburgh one time uh got the train up there and like I had goosebumps for the first four or five songs, which honestly just never, you know, when you do music all the time, I don't yeah. know whether it's the same with you with food, but you, you spend your time around it so much, you can get a little bit desensitized almost to like how, you know, those feelings when you're a teenager and you get the goosebumps all the time. It's like, but with, with, with him seeing him, it was just like, what is going on? This is just mind blowing. So yeah, Bonnie Ver, Michelin star. Yeah. It's amazing. I, you know, chatting to you before we, before we went, you know, uh, live and yeah, you, you probably describe best why, like I asked that question. Cause I've always had this thing that, you know, food and music are so linked in so many ways, whether like you were describing earlier in sort of writing a song or when you're kind of, you know, 
in the studio working on a song and you know more of this less of that mm. what you're looking for to create like the ultimate dish the ingredients you know, the ultimate yeah, yeah. song the ingredients yeah. everything there's you know there's restaurants out there that are like the equivalent to like say Adele that are you know really well known across the globe and then there's other you know artists that are like they're still incredible but you know they might not be that well known and that's kind of like what that question is brilliant because it's like you say it's mm. actually a lot of the time people have answered this question with maybe an artist or a musician that like you know not everyone's heard of but when you listen to how you've just described you know bon Iver there and like the creativity in that that's why the two for me are just so linked oh yeah completely yeah and it's um well, look, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, good luck with the the world tour, the album. Thank you. Uh, the third track on the album coming out today. Yep. And, uh, yeah, listen, mate, thank you for being a part of Knives, Forks and Tunes. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You're uh, proper, proper into your food, and I love it. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly the only way we get through touring. Like, uh, the other guys in the band are the same. Like, And whatever, wherever we go, um, the bass player toured. He's, like, really organised. I'm a bit more chaotic, but, like, he he will plan. Um, honestly, he'll go through and he'll be like, right, we're eating there, then, there, then. He'll, like, our tour will be, like, a culinary tour as well, and it'll be like, there's this restaurant here that does this and da-da-da-da-da, you know, and he watches all those documentaries and all the rest of it, and, like, yeah. it's just amazing. And, like, but eating well, it's it just, it just makes you happier. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I like it. <laughs> and on that note, Dan Haggis. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.